What is going on, everybody? It is a beautiful Friday, but we wouldn't know that because we are stuck inside. But welcome back to the Garbage Time Podcast. First off, we've all been stuck in quarantine. It feels like that's our intro every single week is that we're just stuck inside. But it's true. We are stuck inside. And if I'm being honest, I'm getting a little bit out of shape. I'm putting on that quarantine 15 my gut is uh, protruding out a little bit farther than I would like it to. So what have you guys been doing to stay in shape and not fall into the Ryan Rolano endless gut territory of this quarantine? Well, I've been the opposite. I mean, I am not getting out of shape whatsoever. So I am naturally just a skinny dude. Like, I am a very hard gainer. I've been sitting at 135, 140 for like the past two years now. Like, it's just been really hard for me to get past that. But I've been doing hella push-ups. I'm talking at least 100 to 250 a day. That's my daily routine. Do a bunch of sets of 25. And I've recently started on a dirty bulk. So that basically just means I'm eating anything and everything, even past the point when I'm full. So I'm just fattening myself up as much as possible. Haven't weighed myself yet, but I'm hoping that I'll be at least up to like 145, 150 so I can see a little bit of progress. Yeah, I've been trying my best to stay in shape. I mean, I've been trying to use this quarantine as a time to kind of self-improve and, you know, do some things that I normally don't have a ton of time when we're in the thick of school to do. Um, So, um, you know, today I ran. I've been running quite a bit, and my brother's home, and my brother is basically a... uh, he, he hasn't ran a marathon, but he's basically like a marathon runner because of some of the runs he goes on. And so we woke up really early... And we did 10 miles, and so I'm currently, like, in bed, barely able to move. My hips are just on you fire You ran 10 right miles, Sean? I did. I did. Holy shit. So that was fun. Holy shit. Um, yeah. I mean, no, fact, that's I, not fun. I mean, it's it feels good <laughs> afterwards. See, like, this was my thing in high school. So, I mean, a lot of people look, you know, look at running like it's just not fun, but... Um, I mean, for me, I, you know, I, I'm not the best at shooting a basketball. I'm not the best at swinging a baseball bat. So this is my thing, man. And, uh, trying to get back into it during this coronavirus. Okay. I can, I can respect that if it's your thing though. Like I just, (laughs) I I tried to do cross country in high school because I was looking for a fall sport to play. Uh And it was just one of the worst experiences of my life. At least two, three mile runs every day for practice. You can miss me with that bullshit. Yeah, if you don't want that, I mean, like, dude, the 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 races are three miles. So, like, if you're gonna be complaining about a three mile run, then it, yeah, I mean, it's probably not for you because in reality, <laughs> the the practices should be like six to eight miles if you're doing. Well, a I mean, yeah, some of them were, race. some of them were worth, some of them were like that. That's what yeah, I'm saying. I'm just yeah. saying we were at least doing two to three every day. And not that for was everyone. Not my thing. Yep. It, yep. Yeah, I I ran cross country in all uh, in high school also, and I would totally be running right now as a supplement for my activity during this quarantine. But my back, it's just I feel like an old man. It just doesn't hold up anymore. It just chronic back pain all the time. I didn't expect this until I was into my forties, and now it's eighteen years old. I can't uh, can't go on a run anymore. Well, it's probably all that video editing and recording that we have to do for the semi-pro YouTube channel. We're just sitting down all day. Yeah, it's probably true. It's a stress-related back pain. But let's get into some actual sports news. 
Pro football. You mean fo- us running and talking about high school cross country isn't sports news? I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it is sports news. I was talking more relevant sports news. Uh, but, I mean, depending on who you ask, this is also relevant. Pro Football Focus, they dropped their top 101 players of the decade. And there's a few key points on here that did upset some people. First off, the main one that everyone seems to be talking about, Russell Wilson. He was ranked 33rd in PFF's top 101 players of the decade. That puts him behind some players like Matt Ryan, who just has not reached the same success as Russell Wilson. It puts him behind Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, and Patrick Willis, all of which played for about half the decade. So what are your guys' takes on Russell Wilson being ranked 33rd, the best player of the decade? I can kind of see, and I only mean kind of see, the Peyton Manning argument only because he did have one of the best seasons Uh we've ever seen from a quarterback, and then the next season he did win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, Peyton Manning had some success, but I still put Russ up front of him. But the fact that Matt Ryan is up front of him just makes me, it makes me shed a little bit of a tear for for pro football focus and their football IQ. Like, if you seriously think that at any point in their careers, Matt Ryan was better than Russell Wilson. You need to revisit your football acumen and you need to go back to the basics of the game. It is just very obvious when you are watching those guys play who is better. Russ has been one of the better quarterbacks in the league all decade long. He's brought his team to Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl and he's brought really cl- he's brought really crappy teams into the playoffs that had no business being there. So I think Russ needs to be like top 15, let alone top 20. Yeah, it's a travesty, man. I mean, Russell Wilson being behind Matt Ryan, being the 33rd best player of this decade, it's way too low. And I think the argument against Russell Wilson that some people have is that the one time he did win the Super Bowl, he was kind of carried by one of the best defenses of all time. But that's not. It was what, his second year in the league? Yeah, I mean, and that's not to say he wasn't great as well. I mean, he was he was a huge part of that team. You know, he had a great year that year as well. He made another Super Bowl. And then, you know, post-Legion of Boom, the Seahawks, I don't think, have drafted great offensive talent whatsoever, um, including the offensive line. I mean, I think the Seahawks have had some of the worst offensive lines, maybe not recently, but in some of those years post-Legion of Boom. Um, it was certainly well known that Russell Wilson had to run for his life. And, you know, how many good receivers can you really name? DK Metcalf, Doug Baldwin, Golden Tate, Tyler Lockett. And those are all still middle-of-the-road guys. And all of them were playing and serving as a wide receiver one for him, which doesn't work. You don't work with a washed-up Sidney Rice. You don't work with a pre-broken-out Golden Tate and make Super Bowls. It just doesn't happen. And for some reason, Russell Wilson was able to do it. Exactly, and so they have him behind Matt Ryan, which, yeah, I mean, he's one spot behind them, so it's an easy comparison. And you look at Matt Ryan, I mean, if Russell Wilson had, Matt Ryan's had one good year, you know, he's had one elite year, he won the MVP, it was a great year, but at the same time, the guy had Julio Jones, he had Kyle Shanahan, he had Devonta Freeman, I mean, he had all sorts of talent. Yeah, he had Mohamed Sanu, all sorts of talent um, and, and great coaching behind him and I feel like Russell Wilson hasn't really had that luxury I mean he's had great coaching Pete Carroll can't really speak for their offensive coordinator I don't think it's been great um, but at the same time he hasn't really had those weapons outside of Marshawn Lynch and a couple of those receivers I named and so and yet you see Russell Wilson in the playoffs every single year they still made what was it the second round of the playoffs this year I mean they're still getting wins in the playoffs 
and you know there's not a ton of talent on these these recent Seahawks teams and so I, I feel like you know and this is beside the fact that he really he, I think he him alongside Michael Vick alongside a couple other guys have been have really changed the uh, the dynamic of the quarterback position you know the scrambling and the running or throwing on the run and you know escaping the pocket I feel like that should be an argument it's kind of like the Steph Curry thing like he should be ranked higher because he changed the sport a little bit and so yeah Russell Wilson needs to be much higher without Russell Wilson I don't think a guy like a Baker Mayfield or a Kyler Murray is ever the first pick of the draft also Mm -hmm. so I completely agree with that Sean like Russell Wilson has kind of served in that Steph Curry role of kind of redefining what you want a quarterback to be. You don't necessarily need the quarterback to be a 6'4", 240-pound, strong-armed, big guy anymore. It can be a little guy like Russell Wilson who can go make all the throws off his back foot, spin around, run around in the pocket, and is just a strong-willed leader. He has absolutely redefined what our expectations of a quarterback are. Yeah, he's absolutely transcendent in the world of football. And he's been in the league since 2012. So he's played eight years in this decade. He has never had a losing season. He's only missed the playoffs one time. And he's only lost his first game in the playoffs one time. If that isn't dominance, I don't know what is. Russell Wilson, in my opinion, right now is the best quarterback in all of football. And he's proven it with the play that he's put on the field week in and week out, and year in and year out. It's consistency at the level like we've never seen before. It's Russell Wilson and Tom Brady, and people don't want to make the comparison right now because Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, but Russell Wilson is on his way to reaching that type of caliber. He's not going to have the Super Bowls, but he has the consistent winning that is correlated with a great quarterback and one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and pff ranked russell wilson as the number one quarterback in the league last year i don't see how it lines up where he was the number one quarterback in football last season in one of his not his worst years but a really average year for russell wilson and he's not ranked higher despite all of his playoff success despite all of his individual success and despite the lack of talent he's had to work with and for some reason Marshawn Lynch is ahead of him on this list as well it for me it's blasphemous for me it makes absolutely no sense Russell Wilson well here's here's the thing Ryan if Marshawn Lynch was really better than Russell Wilson then Pete Carroll would have handed him the ball (laughs) yeah I mean there's a reason why the ball was in Russell Wilson's hands it's not a shining moment he threw the pick but Still, Russell Wilson has earned his way to being much more respected than what he was given credit for on this list. And let me say one more thing about Russell Wilson. He just never misses time. I I mean, you can't say that about every quarterback in the NFL, especially as I I touched on earlier, the offensive line hasn't been good. It's pretty evident that Russell Wilson's had the run for his life in a couple of these last couple of seasons. And yet he still never misses games. And you look at some guys that are really high on this list. You know, Peyton Manning had the back issues throughout the 2010s. Um, Drew Brees, even this year, was hurt all year um, with the, uh, I believe it was his hand. You know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been completely healthy. He's been in and out. And Russell Wilson's kind of the outlier. I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, he's been pretty healthy as well. But that's not to say that Matt Ryan's a better quarterback than um, Russell Wilson. I just think his longevity... The fact that he's never really had a serious injury, 
Um, I think there's something, you know, to be said about that. I feel like that's a real asset in this league at your quarterback position. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at this outline right now, Milano. Yep. And I see that you put the Eagles had seven players on this list. I actually have not looked at this list. I only heard the Colin Cowherd take about Russell Wilson this morning, so that was my only point of education for that last segment. But um, I kind of want to guess the seven players All on right. the list, if you Do don't it. mind. Go for it. Try to guess the seven. As an Eagles fan, I am an Eagles fan, just for any listeners that don't know, so I'm going to try to guess these all, all seven players. I'll start from the early 2010s and I'll move on. So... Michael Vick, LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson. I assume all three would be on. Uh, LaShawn is not. What? Michael Vick is not. Okay, then Jason Peters. Deshaun Jackson is not. It's very offensive line and defensive line centric, this list. Jason Peters is number 19. Asante Samuel. Asante Samuel is not. Okay. Um, Let's see. Kelsey? Uh, Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, um, his brother is, I can tell you that. Jason Kelsey is 52. 52, okay. So, I don't think, I think Dawkins might have played in 2010, but he wouldn't be on that list for one year. You're missing a pretty obvious one. A pretty obvious one. Trent Cole? Uh, Fletcher Cox. Keep in mind, yeah, Fletcher Cox, there you go. Uh, yeah, I was, was going to get to the modern defensive line guys in a second. I was just trying to think of the older guys first. Um, so, it, I mean, yeah, if we want to go with the defensive line, you'd probably have Brandon Brooks on there as well. Uh, Brooks. Yep, he's on there. Offensive okay. lineman. Number 70. Okay, how how many is that? That's four. That's four. That, that's four. Oh, man. I, I, I want to say Wentz, but I feel like he wouldn't crack this list if LaShawn McCoy didn't. Wentz is not. Okay. It's not very favorable for the young guys. No Saquon okay. on here. Not a lot of those young guys. Okay, man, my Eagles knowledge is apparently lacking right now. I'm spacing on some of the... Mahomes isn't even on here, by the way. Who? Mahomes is not on here. Okay. I don't know. Give me the next guys. I don't know. Ryan, do you know the next guys? Uh, I my disco- I disconnected for a second there, so I don't know who he named, but I'll just name all seven of them. Uh, starting from lowest to highest on the list, it's a lot of linemen. At 79, it's Lane Johnson, Brandon Lane Brooks. Lane Johnson, I should have known that one. Brandon Brooks, Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox. Got Kelsey. Got Cox. Brandon Graham. Got, I think I got Graham. Maybe I didn't. I should I. I don't think I did, actually. I should have gotten him, though. Jason Peters and Evan Mathis. Oh, Evan Mathis. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I didn't really expect Evan Mathis to be on there, but I can respect that. Evan one, Mathis is ranked addition. 14th. What? Yeah. He's ahead of Jason Peters? He is ahead of Jason Peters. Jason Peters is 19. That is blasphemous. Yeah. The one guy that I thought I might be missing in just now was Jason Babin, just because he had a couple really solid seasons. But I thought that might have propelled him onto the list. But wow, I'm surprised that Mathis is the highest ranked Eagle on the list. The fact that LaShawn McCoy isn't on there kind of hurts my soul. Yeah, it's not too. very favorable to running backs. And that actually brings me to my, you know, the last thing I want to hit on with this. It's a hunch I have. Um, Adrian Peterson, number 35. The guy won the MVP as a running back. He's one of the most dominant running backs of this entire decade. I know he slowed down probably 2016 2017 on but still i mean his dominance for those five years and i know he battled injuries as well but man i think you have to put him higher i think he's got to be higher than marshawn who i think is the only running back ahead of him yeah Um, the fact that he's behind marshawn lynch is ridiculous 
Yeah. Adrian Peterson is behind Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. I just lost all my respect for Pro Football Focus. There are too many, <laughs> too many horrible mistakes on this list. Yeah, a couple, it's, it's, a couple like controversial things is okay, but Adrian Peterson is in the conversation for best running backs of all time. Yeah, not yeah. just the decade. He is yeah, by far the best I mean, of the decade. It's not like he's the only running back that just didn't last very long. I mean, he lasted probably as long as, if not longer, I disagree. than the average running back. I, I disagree. I yeah, I think Adrian Peterson had a nice lengthy career. He's been around since like he what? Did. Yeah, and for the running backs, how and much he's still he got playing. beat up? Think he's about how many playing. touches he probably got in that MVP season and. Some of those prime years. And yeah, he's still playing. He's on the Redskins. And he bounced back from his ACL faster than anyone in like the history of sports. It was talked yeah, about he before. He should be a top 20 guy. Yeah, Considering it was, like Calvin Johnson is like 16. He should be, I, I don't know what you're talking about top 20. He should be top 10, top 5. Yeah, if you're going to really say top players of the decade. I agree. I, Peterson was dominant. There seems to be some recency bias on this list. I mean, like the top five guys outside of Gronkowski like are still stars in this league. I mean, Drew Brees, Aaron Donald, Tom Brady, and then like... I can oh, say what you will is about Aaron Richard Donald Sherman. really number two? Donald's two, Sherman's four. I, I don't All these like guys Donald are like still current guys, and you can't say the same about Peterson. Donald's a great player. He should definitely be top ten, but I don't like Donald at two. I'm sorry. That, that ten doesn't sit well with me. The first guy on this list that's been retired for multiple years is Calvin Johnson at 16. So Yeah, he retired too early, but he was so dominant. It, it is a little bit of recency bias. But we have we've gone through the Eagles. They have their seven players. Patriots, they have the most with 10. Wow, big shocker. Yeah, it's a big surprise that the Patriots are leading this list considering they've won three Super Bowls in a decade. But they, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, some of these guys just had to sniff a Patriots uniform. So Antonio Brown is on here. Darrell Revis. No, no. Don't count that one. It's not. Brown counts. Brown was absolutely dominant. He's actually ahead of Calvin, which I disagree with. He's 13. No, you can't count yeah, Brown. But not yeah, but not as a Not a pat. Not a pat. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. One game. One NBC game Sports Boston would really love to count Antonio Brown as a Patriot. <laughs> but yeah, so Antonio Brown, Darrell Revis, Devin McCourty, Michael Bennett, Stephon Gilmore, Chandler Jones, Akib Talib, and James Harrison are all Where's of the Ninkovich? Patriots. He's not on the list. Yeah, I feel like there should be more. What is this? Yeah, did you say Devin McCourty? I did. Okay, yeah, it's, it makes sense why there's a ton of Patriots on this list. I feel like the Patriots, you know, have a lot of non-glamour guys who are really good football players, really underrated, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and that's what kind of this list seems to favor. I mean, like, the running backs and the receivers, like, you know, the Le'Veon Bells of the world, the... Uh, you know, uh, they're not as, you know, they're not as high on this list. They're not even on, some of them aren't even on this list. Some of the best running backs in the, the game today aren't on this list. And the Patriots haven't always had the best running backs and receivers, but they have just about the best of everything else. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. And half this list is offensive linemen. Uh, PFF yeah. really loves their offensive linemen. I do too. I'm an offensive line guy, but they really love their offensive linemen. Every other player on this list just happens to be a pass protector. Okay, let's move on to the next order of business. DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar. They got arrested for armed robbery. This just seems ridiculous. What? First of all, why are you committing armed robbery when you, it's a quarantine, there's a pandemic? I mean, I guess crime doesn't stop for anyone, but this 
This just seems ridiculous. DeAndre Baker, a first-round pick last year. Quentin Dunbar, the number two-ranked corner by Pro Football Focus in 2019. If both these guys are suspended, that's huge blows for both the Giants and the Seahawks organizations. I, what are you guys' takes over all of it? Uh, why are NFL players still getting in trouble? I mean, I can only speak for myself, but if I had that contract, if I have a career locked up for myself, I'm on an NFL roster, I already have a contract, an opportunity to get more and a bigger one, the last thing I'm thinking about doing is going out and committing any sort of crime, literally any sort of crime. I'm working my ass off to get better and go get that next contract. They achieved the ultimate goal of almost every teenage boy on the planet, to go into a professional sports organization and earn tons of money for doing so, and then you go out and ruin it for yourself? Ridiculous. No respect. Yeah, my thoughts aren't too different. I mean, I don't really have... I mean, my thoughts are pretty similar to just about everyone else. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous that... um, Ryan, you kind of hit on the key point. It's just such a random time for people to be committing crimes, especially like people... Do we know when the crime was committed? Uh, May 13th. So very recently. Yeah. So what? That was two days ago. Um, So yeah, it's just a completely random time. The only explanation I have for like the time that they're committing this crime is that, you know, there's not a ton of optimism in the sports world right now. There's not a ton of optimism that the season's going to start on time. So, you know, maybe these guys are getting restless. But other than that, man, like Scott, you hit on a good point. Like DeAndre Baker, a guy who was a first rounder out of Georgia last year. You just reached your dream. You, you've been working to make the NFL your whole life. You're one year in. I don't know what happened in that one year, but now you're committing crimes and like probably going to jail. I, I just I don't understand it. Yeah, and this the, both these guys are influential to their teams. DeAndre Baker, you mentioned a first-round pick. The Giants need him to be a lockdown corner, at least a number one or a number two. He needs to be a vital part of their secondary. Quentin Dunbar... He was ranked the number two cornerback in all of football last year by PFF. No, He's, no, invalid source. Sorry. The, okay, it's the it's the best bad source that we have. But <laughs> I mean, he was ranked number two. He's a vital part to the Seahawks secondary. And while he isn't as vital as Shaquille Griffin is, he is still a huge part of that secondary. Both these guys are huge, huge pieces to the Giants and Seahawks, respectively. Them potentially being off the field is going to be a detriment to both of these teams because uh, they're key pieces in secondaries that need them to step up and don't have really replacements for them. So uh, how is this going to affect both the Seahawks and the Giants? I mean, it's, I mean, this is going to affect them, obviously, because they're losing integral parts to their teams, and especially the Giants, who just spent a first-round pick on a guy. Like, obviously, that's going to affect your team a lot. But I think the – I mean, honestly, I can't even think about right now, like, how is this going to affect their teams? Like, yeah, they just got screwed over. They get some of their best players torn away from them because of some stupid shit like this. All I can think about is how these guys – worked so hard their whole lives to get to this spot and then went out and ruined it. And I'm sorry, I'm not a huge advocate of committing crimes, but if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't commit the crime on May 13th and get caught on May 14th. Like, come on, give me at least a week of runaway on the land crime. <laughs> okay. Like, it's not even respectable. It's so not some, even a respectable our... crime. <laughs> 
So we've actually been a little incorrect. Um, so Quentin Dunbar was on the Redskins um, his entire career. He was recently traded to the Seahawks this offseason in March um, for a 2020 fifth-round pick. And so, Ryan, the question was, how much is this costing the Seahawks? I mean, it's costing them a 2020 fifth-round pick if you can't see the field. Uh, great cornerback and certainly, a, you know, a big part of their secondary in the future. But, you know, the Seahawks just got him for a fifth-rounder, so I don't think they're flipping out. And then as for the Giants, you know, if they're losing a, a corner, they just drafted Xavier McKinney, who's a safety um, in round two, who's supposed to be a pretty highly touted after guy. And then Darnay Holmes, um, you know, I've heard, you know, sleeper from different Pac-12 people from UCLA round four. So they did clean up their secondary in this draft. So I don't really know if it hurts either team a ton. Well, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly not as big of a detriment for Seattle. But Quentin Dunbar was supposed to be that guy to come in as the legitimate number two corner opposite of Shaquille Griffin. And then DeAndre Baker for the Giants. These guys are pieces that these teams have invested capital in and have expected to play well. I just, I mean, if you're going to commit a crime, do it right, bury the body in the forest somewhere. <laughs> uh, like, all of it, it, it just screams stupidity from all aspects. Just like, don't be stupid. And these guys just very clearly were very, very stupid in this case. I'm, I've said this for years now. This is why, as an NFL GM, I avoid kids from Georgia. I'm sorry. I just, I mean, what? I don't think they have a great track record of being responsible players. I'm, I'm, I'm not drafting a None kid None of, of them? Georgia. Just that entire school? You think it's yeah. just like... You no think it's no just... Bulldogs for me. I think it's <laughs> cursed. Honestly, there are, are multiple SEC schools that are cursed, but Georgia's definitely one of them. Georgia, Florida... What? LSU, I think, has the best track record. Do you know how many picks. good players come from those two schools that you just named? No, there are great players, but I'm just saying there's a long history of players that happen to be a little bit troubled. We can go into the list if we need, but I don't think I need to. I think especially with Florida, you know a couple that I'm referring to. <laughs> yeah, I can think of one in particular that I may have watched a Netflix documentary about recently. <laughs> But I can also I'm, think of I'm picking kids. Out, I'm picking kids out of Ohio State, LSU, yep, yep, Alabama. Yep. You know, I'm Notre Oregon, Dame for Oregon my offensive State. lineman. Just kidding. Oregon you State know, if Louisiana, it's 2004 Lafayette, and I need a quarterback. Yeah. You know? No, yeah, I agree. I agree. No, but I don't agree with the Georgia and Florida thing. Like, I mean, you know, and that's already. why my NFL team will win Super Bowls, and yours will have a team full of convicts who gets bounced in Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, come on, Sean. The goal of football is to win. I've been saying it forever. You gotta win <laughs> games to be good at football. If you don't win games, you aren't good at football. Georgia players—they don't win games Nick, in the uh, NFL. Todd Gurley, McCole Hardman, Thomas Davis, Sony Michelle, Roquan Smith. Leonard Floyd, Matthew Stafford, AJ Green. <laughs> this is the guys from Florida. Like what? No, that's Georgia. <laughs> yeah, that's, or, yeah, Georgia. That's Georgia. Georgia. Sorry, but sorry. they aren't. This is like winners. They are. They are. What are you talking about? Like, when was the last time you saw Stafford. Matthew Stafford walk into a game and take command and go win it for the Detroit Sony Lions? Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle was great in the playoffs last year in that Super Bowl run. 
Yeah, Justin running backs. Yeah. I could literally, I could get a running back from Portland Community. McCole Hardman just, just won a good. Super Bowl. McCole Hardman just won a Super Bowl as the third there option. Are, Fourth option. There are five. Oh gosh, there are five hundred guys in the United States of America that could be starting running backs in the NFL. That, that is, is a factual statement. Five hundred. I mean, five hundred. And the you best one of all of them get? is Darwin Thompson. You know how Stop up with you the guys. Darwin Thompson conference. You know, I understand. That's why there's so many of them. They're so dispensable. Yeah, but like... It's a ridiculously hard position guys, to play. It takes, yeah, it takes so much toughness to line up as an NFL running back knowing you're going to get tackled right away. Like, I, I don't know if 500 guys have that toughness, you know? I think, I mean, if we need to build the list, we can build the list. Yeah, let's just list off all while, 500 but... people that could potentially play running back in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, let's see. I mean, let's say, you know, each each NFL team has, what, three or four running backs on their roster? Let's say it's an average of three. Okay, I mean, so there's 30, 200 guys. Thir- 32 times three is already, like, 90, 96, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's how math works. three is 96. And then, so, you know, that's already, that's already one-fifth of your guys. And then you can go into the practice squads. You've probably got another two per team. That's another 64. Then you go to all the D1 running backs. I say you're, I say you're more They're than comfortable ready. at 500. I think They're 500 is a conservative Leonard number. Fournette, Leonard Fournette bulldozed people at LSU. And how good is he in the NFL? Like He's pretty good. He's okay. He was good in maybe one year. He is being and dragged down by the organization of Jacksonville. Anywhere else, Leonard Fournette would be a top seven running back in the NFL. Uh, then how come no one's trading for him? I think he is a top him? seven running back. No, he's not. He is. He like, is not a top seven running back. Not even close. He's borderline top seven. He was. He's top ten at least. Dude, he's like the Jaguars are like gonna cut him. Like he's not even. No, they're gonna trade him. They're gonna trade him, but like they please they, they trade Leonard Fournette. That please yeah, free him but from Jacksonville. No one wants him. There's a reason. I, I think no one wants him. I honestly think 500 is a conservative number. I don't think it really takes anything to be quote unquote ready yeah, to be an NFL named, running you back. You just named like a sample size of like 200, and then if you're gonna start plucking guys from like the NBA, no, like maybe a handful of NBA no, no, no. guys could play an uh, NFL <laughs> running back. Rugby I'm, I'm already I'm Soccer, already no. over 200 Baseball, with no. just guys currently in the NFL. And then I'm I'm taking my D1 players. Every running back on the Alabama roster, every running back on the Georgia roster, Florida roster, Oregon roster, Nebraska roster, Notre Dame roster could play in the NFL right now. Give Cyrus Habibi Likio some NFL love right now. He'd get smashed. (laughs) Okay. We've touched on Florida a little bit. Let's, Let's go overarching the state of Florida. They've allowed sports to return. So has Arizona as soon as these leagues permit it to happen. But the California schools, they just shut down their campuses for fall of 2020, which probably means no California collegiate sports. It really feels... Oh no, feels, we're going to miss out on Cal Berkeley. I, I mean, I'm more concerned about the Stanfords of the world and the so USC's of the world. Yet. It's not those schools yet that are closed. Is it 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 it's the UC schools? It's, is it not? It's I don't, let me let me look this up real quick. So it, I'm pretty I, sure it's the whole UC system. I mean, Stanford is like isn't part of the UC of the system, schools. but it, it every other California school, I believe, is. But this is a like. Why does it feel like Arizona and Florida are really gung ho about? We're getting sports back. Everything's fine. And, I mean, I live in Arizona. It does 
seem a little bit calm right now, which it's a little bit worrying for me. It seems a little too calm and everyone's starting to go back to their normal lives. But I mean, I get that it's dry. I get that it's hot. I get that the virus doesn't travel as fast here, but Southern California is the same way. I, I don't understand how some states are progressing towards opening things up and for sports to return and how some states are completely shutting it down. For me, it feels like the opposite side of a magnet. They just keep repelling off of each other, going in two separate directions, when really all they should be doing is coming as one. Well, I mean, to me, it was a poor decision by Arizona and Florida to say that they're ready for that. And I'm not saying that it's the wrong decision by any means, but I am saying that it was a poor decision because it's not well-timed. I don't think we're in a place right now where you can come and you can say, yeah, we're ready. I mean, even if the virus is dying down in your state, it's only been very, very recently that that's, you know, started to happen, even in a state like Oregon, where I am. Like, we haven't really had crazy numbers anywhere, but still, it's just kind of starting to die down. I think the smart thing to do is give it a couple months to breathe, see how the reopening process goes in every state. I know my county in Oregon is starting that process today, actually. They're going into phase one of reopening, so let that happen. Let it see how it plays out and then make your decision. I think it was very premature by Florida and Arizona to say, yeah, we're ready for this when the leagues are. I completely okay, agree. So I had a feeling that it wasn't Cal and UCLA yet, partially because that's what I heard, partially because you see, you saw like a, an announcement from the Mountain West, uh, but you didn't see one from the Pac-12. So Mountain West schools like San Diego State, Fresno State, and San Jose State are part of these schools, but there's a separate University of California system, which includes Cal and UCLA, and then USC and Stanford are both private not fully committed to the the same step. So it's not quite over for those schools yet. But I mean, you guys are right. Like it's, you know, it's been running on like a state by state system um, and like a school by school system of kind of making their own decisions. And you have, you know, schools in like LA and schools in Boston and schools in New York that are much more likely to be canceling because that's where the coronavirus is most popular right now because, you know, it, it gets to places that are very highly dense with people. And it's different when it's like a U of O or an Oregon State or a Washington State because those are pretty isolated campuses um, versus like USC or UCLA or, you know, Boston College when you're in the middle of the city. So I think it's more likely that those schools are going to be more cautious. Plus, LA has just been, you know, the most cautious, the most progressive throughout all of this. And the fact that they, announced that it's going to be stay at home throughout all of July, which is absolutely crazy. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, it's still pretty up in the air, but you're right. I mean, it is a, it's a huge slippery slope considering the fact that like all these schools aren't really united in making these decisions. I don't have a problem with it being a school-by-school, state-by-state decision. I actually think that's a good thing because mm -hmm. our situation... I mean, Sean, you live in Oregon, too. Our situation in Oregon is night and day Pretty compared mild. to New yeah. York. Like, it's not, even, it's not even remotely the same thing. 
Now, could that change? Yes, there, this thing could come in waves, and that's why I think it was a premature and irresponsible choice by states like Florida and Arizona to say, yeah, we're ready, because we haven't really even let this thing breathe yet. I know it feels like we've been in lockdown coronavirus mode forever, but it's really only been a few months, which in the grand scheme of things is not that long of a time. We've got to see how this plays out. Let's let it breathe. Let it see what's going to happen with the states that are beginning the reopening process. Give that a couple months to breathe. And then let's let these then let's let these states and the schools and the country and the NCAA make their decision. Yeah. And they really what it is probably going to boil down to, at least for college football, which is where the campuses and universities have the biggest impact. It's going to come down to the conferences and what I thought was really interesting is I was listening to Colin Cowherd, I believe it was yesterday, and Joel Klatt was on, and he said that most conferences are united, but the Pac-12, where we uh-huh. reside, we're Pac-12 guys, we all go to the University of Oregon, they're not going to be united, and apparently some surprise, schools... Surprise, surprise, another poor decision by the Pac-12 conference. Yeah, uh, apparently Larry Scott does not have control over the entire conference, and the Pac-12 is apparently... Uh, working on a school-to-school basis and the athletic directors are really taking control. So Arizona schools have reached out and said that they have the possibility of hosting California schools for their home games or hosting some Oregon schools for their home games. So the Pac-12 is going to be a little bit different as well because it's a lot down to the schools where it's going to probably be a more money uh directed type of decision where you look at uh, the sec or the big 10 or the big 12 or the acc those are probably going to be united fronts the pac-12 it's every man for himself right now and that is what really scares me the most is that the pac-12 has no clue what's going on and is that better for fans because you might get football or is it worse because we might be potentially putting some collegiate students in harm's way. I don't know, but that really scares me. The fact that the PAC 12 is not going to be United. Here's the thing. I think college football is going to happen in some form this year. And here's why schools like in Oregon, like a USC, like an Alabama, like a Clemson, like an LSU, they have so much revenue and money tied up in this. Like it is a very high percentage of all of the money that circulates through the school. This is not just a sport for them. This is a way that they fund their universities. So I think they will get it out there in some form. And that might lead to some poor decisions when the money is involved like this, but I do think college football is going to happen this season. That said, the money is still there for a school like an Oregon State or a Washington State or, I mean, a Missouri, but it's not in the same form that it would be for a lot of these blue blood programs. So I think what we're, we might be seeing is a lot of the blue blood programs carrying out their season in some form, whether that's a nine game schedule all in conference or, you know, whatnot. But I think a lot of the smaller schools might skip out on the season because they don't have as much writing on it. Yeah, but Scott, you know how much money they're losing because of, uh, you know, spring term being a remote, like, uh, a school oh, yeah, like U of O. I mean, like, 
sure they make a ton of money off football, but they make even more money off of uh, tuition. And you know, Ryan, like you, you you made the decision, and I think it's a you know a noble decision that when school was virtual this term, you know, you decided you wanted to take a little break. And you know, if that was to happen, I would consider doing that as well in the fall term. But they lose so much money when that happens. Yet it's not their choice, you know. Like, and, and so I feel like the same way about football. You know, football, there's hundreds of people on the field. Even if there's no fans, you need all of these essential workers. You need, you know, all, what, 100 members of the team. You need, you know, medical staff, trainers, assistant coaches, coaches, referees. You know, the list goes on and on. There's still going to be just people everywhere in these football games. And, you know, it's a really slippery slope how some schools might handle it differently. But I, I feel like at the end of the day, it's still Kate Brown's decision. It's still, you know, who's the Oregon governor, of course. Um, it's still the governor's decision. It's still, you know, the government's decision. I feel like, you know, even if Rob Mullins, the Oregon's AD, wants to have football season, I feel like it's not his choice at the end of the day. Well, I agree with you, Sean, that, like, yes, they can't uh, – Most, I mean, I pretty much every school, I think, has canceled their spring term and, you know, made it remote. Yeah, and it lose, but, they lost a ton of money off that. Yeah, and, sure, like, yeah, they lost a ton of money, and it wasn't their decision. But at the same time, it was when it was freshly coming into the United States. The decision had to be made. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You really couldn't argue any other position. By the time September, October rolls around, we don't really know what everything is going to look like. I do think that it will be died down from what it is now. Will it still be around? Yes, this thing is going to be around as long as we do not have a vaccine, which at the earliest would come early 2021. So it's going to still be here. But I think if you give it a little bit of time to die down and you just wait a couple months and you see how things are progressing, then you can make an accurate decision. And I think that decision will be let's play football because the hazard level will not be nearly as high as it was in an April or a March in, in September or October. Yeah, I think ultimately the decision that probably will be made is football will be played. But I think the right decision is just wait. And just wait to see what happens for as long as possible. But uh, that was a very serious issue. Let's get to a more superficial one that's a lot more fun to talk about a little bit. The Rams, they unveiled their new uniforms. There's been some backlash. There's been some people saying they like it. What are you guys' takes? Fire or trash? It looks like Ikea barfed all over (laughs) a white canvas of a uniform. And turned it highlighter blue and piss yellow. Um, I, I'm not a fan of them. Colors are way too bright. I honestly thought the Rams had some of the best uniforms in football before this. So it was kind of disappointing to see them change it all. So, you know, the expectations were already really high. you got to be at least as good as like these throwback ones that you've been rocking the past few years. Those were super, super clean. And then you come out with this look. I mean, I get it. They're trying to be L.A. They're trying to be Hollywood. You know, they're trying to be one of the stars. They're trying to build a new brand for the Los Angeles Rams. But these uniforms are just poor, especially compared to what they had. And I think that's what every uniform is judged by. What are you coming off of compared to what it is now? I have a couple different feelings about or I have some different feelings about him. Um, I think, you know, they dropped three different jerseys, the blue and yellow the all blue and the white. And I think the white are really bad. Um, Specifically the patch they have on their, um, you know, their left chest 
that's just a horrible look. It just says Los Angeles Rams on like this little white square. It looks really bad on the white jersey. It looks like um, an advertisement. It really looks yeah, like an advertisement. It totally does. The blue, the blue and yellow, I think are pretty cool. And then the all blues, I think are pretty cool. Um, so I don't absolutely hate them. I, the whites are pretty bad in my opinion. I just, you know, I, I don't think they could have relied on um, those. You know, they were relying on the old school jerseys for a while, and I don't think you can do that as a franchise forever. So it makes sense why they had to rebrand, as you're seeing all these different teams rebrand. But it's just kind of weird. Ever since the Rams moved to LA, they just completely changed their colors, and no one's really talking about the, talking about it. I mean, when they're in St. Louis, they were like a dark blue and gold. And now they kind of look like the Chargers, their next door neighbor, like yeah. the blue and yellow. So they also have similar logos. I don't like yeah. both teams in LA having the same colors. I also think though that the Chargers are going to be forced to move out of LA at some point oh, in the boy. near future. I don't think that's a marriage that's going to last for too long at all. Yeah, ultimately, what you have to look at when it comes to these uniforms is: is it better than what you have, and is it better than your competition in the exact same city in LA? And I'm a fan of the uniforms. I think that they're fine. I think that they're okay uniforms, but they're not as good as their old uniforms, like you said, Scott. I do like the throwbacks. I think that they're good, and I think that they are marketable, and I don't think they're as good as the Chargers. I think the Chargers really won the uniform unveilings of this offseason, and I don't think the Rams really came anywhere close. So, But again, I, I don't think that matters. I oh, I, sell I do. Tickets. Jerseys jerseys aren't going to sell tickets. The I Rams think that have the upper hand. It, it builds your brand. I think the Chargers are going to be the better team this year, personally. But I still think the Rams have the upper hand. Sean, like, let's just take basketball for example, so we can go to another you know example here. What is the first thing you think about when you think the Lakers? You think that yellow and purple? You think I that? Think of how good they've been with some of these players they've had: Kobe to LeBron to. You know, back in the day, Korean magic. Like, I think of that rather than, yeah. I mean, sure. You, you it's think the brand. The it's the brand. But you even don't they think have changed their jerseys a little bit. I mean, minusculely, the Rams yeah. completely changed their colors. Like yeah. like you said, I thought the blue and gold was fine. I thought the throwback blue and yellow was fine. I, I, I understand it. Like I said, like you want to be bright. You want to be flashy. You want to be Hollywood. You want to be L.A. You want to really solidify yourself as the Los Angeles football team. That's fine. But I just I'm not a fan of the bright. That, that's all. The Rams, they had a step up over the Chargers. And it feels like they're slowly regressing back to equality with them. It seems like if anyone should have been copying another team, it should have been the Chargers trying to copy what the Rams are doing. But right now, it really feels like the Rams are working towards what the Chargers are doing, which to me makes no sense. The Chargers, they are the forgotten team of LA, and the Rams just continue to look more and more like the Chargers, so much so that in this whole logo debacle, Scott, you and I, we're making videos about them, and we're confused over which team is which, because the Rams logo looks like it should be a Chargers oh, logo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They look yeah, so I, similar. Yeah, like, so, yeah, to that point, Ryan, I was making a video um, of the full NFL schedule breakdown, and in multiple spots in the video for when I was laying out all the Monday night and the Sunday night and the Thursday night games, like, 
I know football. I know what the logos of these teams look like. I can name every single NFL team off the top of my head. I mean, that's not a difficult thing for me. I, I'm not dumb, but it made me look dumb when I mistake the the Rams' new logo for the Chargers' logo and vice versa. It just doesn't look right. Those team, I think the team's branding has gotten way too similar. Yeah, and we are diehard football fans. Imagine just a casual fan seeing that logo and being like, oh, that's the Chargers' logo because it looks like the Chargers' logo. We made the mistake, and it is something we do to make money, is to make these videos and to follow these teams, and it's something we do as a passion. Imagine someone who just is casually following football. It, it d makes no sense. This Rams' entire rebranding has been a net negative for Los Angeles. I still, at the end of the day, I agree with some of the stuff you guys are saying, but at the same time... I feel like the biggest thing that matters with the Rams having the upper hand over the Chargers, I don't think it matters about what happens on the field. I think the Rams were there first, and therefore they drew the attention of the L.A. football fans that wanted to root for a team. They were first. You know, any L.A. person would say they like the Rams over the Chargers because they were the original. They were playing at the Coliseum for all these years or the past couple of years while the Chargers were playing in this tiny little soccer stadium, and I feel like that's the thing that matters most. I mean, people aren't going to just change their minds and go from Rams to Chargers based on their jerseys or based on what happens to the on the field. I still think the Rams are king in L.A. I agree with you guys. Way too similar um, in, in terms of their jerseys. I think the Chargers have some fire jerseys. I think they. Have I do, the, too. I love best that jerseys that they're really yeah, incorporating a lot. Best now. jerseys in the league, I would say, but at the same time, I just – I don't think it has as big an impact as maybe you guys are saying. Okay, so I've got to say before we kind of wrap this show up that Milano, I don't think I've ever agreed with you this much on anything <laughs> as we have over over these past however long we've been recording, 50 minutes now. This has kind of been a treat to not be arguing with Milano about everything. It's different. It's new. We we're normally We normally have opposing opinions. We are very opposite sports fans. You, but, you know, today we had a lot of similar opinions, a lot of similar points, and it, it's good for the brand when you can agree every once in a while. Exactly. exactly. I can only imagine what our YouTube subscribers think, you know, because me and you, we both reply to comments. We make that a point. We like <laughs> to engage with our viewers. Like, what do they think when they get one view and then they get a completely another view like five minutes later? There have been know, multiple but, times know. where you've made a comment that I would have completely gone the opposite way of, and I'm so tempted to delete your comment and make the exact opposite one, but I have to <laughs> let you just roll with, with you. You got to the comment first. It's your territory, but guys, great show today. It's been a fantastic Friday and, uh, you know, check out this podcast every single week, everywhere you get your podcasts, everywhere we post this. And check it's out called Garbage Time, Ryan. It is called Garbage Time. I, I know. It's our podcast called the Garbage Time Podcast. Check it out wherever you get podcasts. And check out our YouTube channel as well. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you next time.